when we read the Christian scriptures, we believe that God, um, we believe that we're doing more than studying ancient texts. We believe that God is actively speaking to us. Um, so let's take a moment to silence, silence our hearts, clear our minds, so that we can hear the word of the Lord. Our reading today comes from the book of Psalms, the ancient prayer book of the people of God. These words come from Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our help, generation after generation, before the mountains were born, before you birthed the earth and inhabited world, from forever in the past to forever in the future, you are God. You return people to dust, saying, go back, humans, because in your perspective, a thousand years are like yesterday past, like a short period during the night watch. You sweep humans away like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. True, in the morning it thrives, renewed, but come evening it withers all dried up. Let the kindness of the Lord our God be over us. Make the work of our hands last. Make the work of our hands last. How's it going, everyone? Um, my name. Okay, cool. Uh, my name is Nate, um, and today we are concluding our series that we've been in called "God at Work." Uh, basically, what we've been doing is we've been talking about how. Actually, work is good. It's really hard. A lot of the times it's really hard, but actually work is good. And it's actually one of the ways that we, as people, participate in God's redemptive purposes uh, in the world. Uh, so we're going to be concluding that tonight. Uh, but before we do, uh, if you would join me in prayer. Uh, God, thank you for this opportunity to gather. Uh, and I pray that as we gather, God, the tensions of the past week and the tensions that have yet to come, God, would just kind of slide off our shoulders. God, some of us are coming from, I don't know, maybe a really, really great day. We got to sleep in, we enjoyed the sun. But some of us, God, had a really tough day. So, Lord, we pray that you would just help us to take a breath. That we would center ourselves in your renewing love. And that ultimately, God, we would find rest in your grace. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so if you're not familiar with the concept of individualism, individualism is basically the idea that living a life of independence, individuality, and autonomy is the best way to live. It's a philosophy that emphasizes like being able to take care of yourself, you know, trailblaze, you know, forge your own path and, and be your own individual. It also stresses the idea that people shouldn't rely on or expect help from other people and that you should instead only rely on your own resources and your own efforts to achieve your goals. Uh, basically, any kind of dependency or need for assistance is seen as a flaw or a weakness. Uh, now, in some ways, individualism can actually be a really good thing uh, because it can encourage things like creativity, self-expression, innovation, uh, and it can create a sense of freedom 
and a hard work ethic because, right, if you're the only one that you can rely on, well, then you should probably work really hard. But the thing about individualism is that individualism has a very dark side, like a very, very dark side, because when left unchecked, individualism leads to an excessive focus on performance and success, right? Remember, individualism says that having a support network is a bad thing, that relying on other, other people for help is a bad thing, and that the only good thing is living autonomously. And what this does, whether we realize it or not, is it creates and produces within us a competitive mentality in which we constantly feel this intense societal pressure to perform, to succeed, and to achieve in order to prove our worth. Uh, now, Western society has always been uh, pretty individualistic, the United States in particular. I mean, the United States was founded on very independent or individualistic principles. Uh, but for the most part, individualism was kind of kept in check. Uh, that is until after World War II, when individualism eventually evolved into what people uh, are now calling radical individualism. And in a radically individualistic society like ours, achievement is king. And our worth as people has become dependent first and foremost on how much we can accomplish and how well we perform. And the fact that achievement has indeed become king in our society is just so clearly evident in the way that we are so utterly captivated by those zero to hero or rags to riches stories. Right? I'm sure you're all familiar uh, with the mythical tale of Jeff Bezos, right? who created one of the world's most important and valuable brands out of a garage in 1995. Right? Or the story of the legendary hero Steve Jobs, who started Apple from basically nothing, again, in a garage, and who is now exalted as one of the most important people in modern history. I mean, the guy might as well be a superhero. And then, of course, who could forget somebody like Mark Zuckerberg, who I'm not convinced is human and is actually probably a robot, but whose success story is every tech startup's dream. And right, the reason why we know these stories and the reason why they captivate our imagination so well is because they embody everything that we, as those living in an individualistic society, have been taught to value. Right, achievement for us as Americans, is king. And our value and worth is dependent first and foremost on success and performance. And honestly, it's no wonder. Right? It's no wonder that achievement is king and that our value is dependent on success and performance. I mean, just, just take a second to think about every single school that you have ever attended or every single job that you've ever had. Right? Every single school we've been to Every single job that we have ever had have all measured our value quantitatively, right? You're a good kid if you get good grades. You're a valuable person if you perform well at work. You're not worth much if you work at McDonald's, but you're worth a lot if you're the CEO of a company. Don't have a college degree? Uh, I mean, you're, I mean, you're kind of, you know, you're down here, uh, but then like the college graduates, right, they're, they're up here. And that's kind of how our society works. I mean, it might not be as, as tangible as I'm making it right now, but that's how we've been taught to think. That's how we've been taught to live. 
And it has become so embedded in our society that each and every one of us is constantly faced with this intense societal pressure to succeed, achieve, and perform in order to prove our worth. Achievement is king. And we are paying the price. So in his book uh, called The Burnout Society, uh, which is a pretty evocative title, uh, the Korean-German philosopher Byung-Chul Han observes that in today's society, we have more opportunities to reach our full potential than any other generation in history, hands down. You can make more money today than ever before. You can acquire more fame and world renown than ever before. You can live longer today, now, than ever before. And yet, things like mental illness is through the roof. Uh, A ton of recent studies have actually shown that high pressure to achieve is directly associated with a higher risk of major depressive disorder, anxiety, and other forms of psychological distress, particularly in students. And then, as Han says in his book, it also leads to things like exhaustion, depletedness, high levels of stress, and the inability to focus or concentrate. Han even goes so far as to say that we as a society have progressed past burnout, right? There's kind of like a lot of discussion about burnout and and the effect it has on us. But, But Han says that actually we have progressed beyond burnout, to a point where we are actually self-exploitative. We are exploiting ourselves. And yet, even though all of this pressure to achieve is taking such a toll on us, we nevertheless continue to find the root of our identity in our performance, right? I am what I do. I am what I can produce. And we continually strive for more and more and more in order to be more and more and more. Achievement is king, and we are paying the price. Now, it's kind of at that point where we ask ourselves, is there a better way? Is there a better way than radical individualism in this competitive mentality that imposes such intense societal pressure to succeed and achieve? We look around at folks for whom what they do has become who they are. We see people that believe in order to be valuable, they have to strive with all of their might to be more productive. And we all feel in our bones the exhausting weight of yet another performance review just around the corner. Or that grade that the professor is just about to drop. And we all know what it's like to feel like maybe we're just not enough. So we ask ourselves, is there a better way? Or are we doomed to just kind of approach our performance, job title, and paycheck as the sum of our our worth and fall all of us into ceaseless exhaustion and depletedness and burnout? Is there a better way? Of course there's a better way. Absolutely there's a better way. And it's the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus invites us to approach our work, our performance, and the concept of success in a very, very different way. And it begins by first recognizing that we as humans are limited. 
We are finite beings. And while Western society might say that achievement is king, the psalm that Taylor read for us, Psalm 90, reminds us that actually, apart from God, achievement is fleeting. And the work of our hands is only momentary. I think one of the most difficult things for us as people to do is to name reality, to tell the truth about ourselves and about the world around us. Uh, For example, in the world of leadership, uh, there's this concept called blind spots. Uh, Blind spots are basically just like weaknesses, uh, character deficiencies, or areas of potential bias that limit a leader's ability uh, to accurately interpret or respond to a situation. And when not addressed, they almost always lead to damaging behavior, stagnation, and the inability to grow as a person. Basically, any moral failure... Um, like in leadership, can probably be pointed back to the fact that that leader uh, refused to acknowledge their blind spots. And so addressing your blind spots is essential. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to become a quality leader, and you're not going to be able to become the kind of person with quality character. But the thing about blind spots is that it's not fun to acknowledge them. Right? Naming the truth about who you are with all of your weaknesses, deficiencies, and flaws laid out on the table is really hard to do. And so a lot of people just don't do it. And they're okay living in ignorance. They're okay living an inattentive life. And they're okay just kind of living in a fantasy where their blind spots don't exist. But the way of Jesus requires that we name reality. That we tell the truth about ourselves and about the world around us, which is one of the reasons why we here at Nova don't shy away from the fact that darkness and disease and sin still afflict us. Because to ignore that would be to ignore reality and our very real need for a savior. It's also one of the reasons why we practice confession, because confession, what we're doing is we are are naming reality. We're, We're like naming the reality of of the world's brokenness and the ways in which we as people have participated in that brokenness. The way of Jesus requires that we name reality, remove the veil before our eyes, and tell the truth about things. And the truth about our work, about our jobs in this like crazy hamster wheel society that we live in, is that apart from God, achievement is fleeting. We'd like to believe otherwise, but the work of our hands is momentary. We are finite beings. And to approach our work according to the way of Jesus, we have to start there. We have to recognize that apart from God, achievement is fleeting. Only he can give permanence to our work, which is why the psalmist says, God, establish the work of our hands. I don't know if any of you are into woodworking, Uh, I'm not, but I've heard that when you start a project, right, like a table, um, for instance, you finish the project by applying a sealant uh, over the top of all of your work in order to preserve the table and in order to uh, preserve all of your hard work. Um, Basically keeps out things like sand and dust and water and like other contaminants and stuff like that. And I think that this is actually a really helpful way to think about our work. Because in the same way that the sealant is the only thing that can preserve the table, God is the only one that can give permanence to our work. Because apart from him, our achievements 
are fleeting. And this is a really, really big deal. Because if God is the only one that can give permanence to our work, then the meaning of our lives is not found in what we do, but in the one for whom we are doing it. God. But here's the thing, right? As people living in an intensely individualistic society, right, we don't really like that. It might give us comfort to like think that and to like know it up in our heads, but, but functionally, yeah, we're not really that big of fans. We don't really like the idea that our achievements apart from God are fleeting or that the work of our hands without God is momentary. We don't like the idea that we're frail. We don't like the idea that we're limited. And we don't like the idea that we are, just like the grass, not very permanent. And we definitely don't like the idea that our value, that our worth as people, isn't dependent on our ability to achieve and perform. Because, right, in a weird, twisted, and self-destructive way, we kind of like it when our value is dependent on what we do and our ability to succeed and perform. Because if that's the case, then we're the ones in control. And it also means that we have the ability to set ourselves up over and above other people. But Psalm 90 in the way of Jesus reminds us that worth isn't dependent on success or performance, but is rather dependent on God. Because he is the only one that can give meaning, value, and permanence to us and our labor. And this is really good news. Because it means that we can lay our anxious striving aside and rest knowing that at the end of the day, we're not the ones making things stick. God is. The meaning of our lives is not found in what we do, but in the one for whom we are doing it. God. And so if we just kind of wanted to take all of that, summarize it, put it together, we could just say it like this. Apart from God, achievement is fleeting. Only he can give permanence to our work, and it is in him, not our labor, that our lives find meaning. But that is a lot easier to say than it is to believe. Because we have been so fooled by our individualistic society to believe that achievement is king and that we are what we do. So in order to kind of help this settle into our beings, to kind of, you know, like actually get it into us, uh, what we're going to do is this. Uh, We're going to spend just a little bit of time reflecting and praying. I'm going to open up just a few areas where we might be tempted to believe that we are what we do. And then after I open that area up, I'll leave a few moments of silence for us to pray around that theme uh, or idea. And so if you would, go ahead and close your eyes uh, if you feel comfortable doing so. And we'll spend a little bit of time in prayer together. Monday is coming. It's just around the corner. What upcoming tasks, deadlines, and responsibilities are making you anxious as the beginning of yet another work week approaches? I spend just a few moments praying, asking God to alleviate your anticipatory anxiety with the reminder that it is in Him, not your labor, that your life finds meaning.
emails, texts, and notifications clog our inboxes and phones with demands and requests, a symptom of our production and success-oriented society. I spent a few moments praying, asking God for help as you respond to, manage, and prioritize the influx of information you receive this week, knowing that it is in Him and not your labor that your life finds meaning. How have the successes and failures of the past week filled your thoughts? Spend a few moments praying, inviting God to intervene and bring perspective, hope, and redemption. As you are reminded that it is in Him, not your labor, not your successes, not your failures, that our lives find meaning. God, apart from you, our achievements are fleeting. Only you can give permanence to our work, and it is in you, not our labor, that our lives find meaning. And so, God, we pray that you would release us from this intense pressure to succeed, achieve, and perform in order to prove our worth. God, help us get off the hamster wheel that our society has kept us on for so long. Amen.